I know we usually open our afternoon service with a mother-in-law joke, but we're going to skip that today. <laughs> Psalm 96. No, actually, I got a good... No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> this psalm was written uh, after deliverance, out of captivity, and uh, it's got a, a Christmas ring to it. Uh, it's, not, it's not about Christmas. It's not about the birth of Jesus, yet there, it, it does have a, 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 a theme to it that, that belongs, I think, at Christmas as well. I'm going to look at three things this afternoon uh, in these verses, but you see in verse number one, Psalm 96, verse number one, O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth, sing unto the Lord, bless His name, show forth His salvation from day to day, declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. And he shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, uh, for, he is, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Lord, I pray for your help this afternoon as we close out our day looking at this psalm. I pray it would encourage us. And uh, Lord, I pray that we'll draw closer to you because of your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in Psalm uh, 96, three things that I want us to see. Number one, I want us to see all glory belongs to God. All glory belongs to God. It says there in verses 1 and 2, Sing unto the Lord a new song, all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Uh, Why should we sing a new song? Why should we sing at all? If you look throughout Scripture, there are a number of different illustrations, but the angels sang a song as they watched creation. Israel sang a song when the Egyptians were swallowed by the Red Sea. Uh, We see the angels singing at the coming of Christ at His birth. And uh, at the end of the day, we see the importance of glory going to God. Revelation 5.9 says, Thou art worthy, for thou wast slain. And has redeemed us by uh, redeemed us unto God by Thy blood. Uh, we see the importance of letting it be known what God has done for you. Singing, you know, that's the way that Israel worked. There was a lot of songs. There's a song of Moses as they're leaving Egypt. There's uh, songs throughout times, but even the idea of just proclaiming. I know that's not what the word "sing" here necessarily means, but it's still that same idea of letting it be known. Uh, uh, let others hear. Uh, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I've always associated that with music, with singing. Uh, I guess it's not necessarily have to be that, but uh, the idea of proclaiming what God has done. Why? Because all glory belongs to God. 
uh, everything that is done, it says there in verse 2, is salvations from day to day. We see in verse number 3, declare His glory among the heathen. Sing it so they can hear it. Let them know that God deserves uh, glory. Let His wonders be known among all the people. Uh, in verse 4, it says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Why? Because in verse 5, it says, All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Why does He deserve glory? Well, because He's worthy of it. He's the only, if I can use the word person, that is. And uh, while all other gods, lowercase g, are statues or uh, things that God created, the sun, the moon, those kinds of things. God is the creator of all things. And so He is deserving of our glory. He's why we should sing. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, if you don't fear God, you're probably not wise. Not probably, you're not. You're not wise. Uh, who God is, uh, again, the creator, the maker of, of all things, shows His worth. Verse number 6 uh, it says, honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Giving some description again of God and who he is, he is worthy of glory. All glory belongs to God. Number two, we see all gifts belong to God. All gifts belong to God. Verse number seven and verse number eight, it says, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Then it says in verse 8, the first part of the verse, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Um, if you go to England and study kind of how they do things with kings and queens and princes and princesses and those sorts of things, when someone marries into the royal family, everything changes for them. Uh, they're no longer called by their first name. They, they have a, either a lady before them or a princess before them or a prince before them, those sorts of things. Everything that was before average, there's nothing average about them anymore. Uh, it all changes. They are now given a certain amount of due honor because of the family that they are now part of. As Christians, we ought to give due honor to, the God, because, to, to God because He is worthy of it all and all of our gifts instead of coming to ourselves with our gifts we should give them to god uh, allow him to have those things because he is deserving of them in verse uh, the second part of verse number eight it says um, bring an offering and come into his courts um, we're, we're offering him uh, uh, kind of our respect and our honor then we're offering him um, our uh, material our, uh, our finances, and again, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying um, <clears throat> we're emptying our bank account on Sunday and putting it on the offering plate. What I'm saying is, is that God uh, uh, has control over. We give God control over what we have, what we own. God, how do you want me to use this? Money, house, whatever. How, how can I use this for you? What do you want me to do with it? It's a giving to Him those things. Uh, in verse number 9, it says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear uh, before Him all the earth. Worship, and we need to do, a, I'm coming up with a million different sermon series ideas today. We need to do a sermon series on worship. We don't understand what it means. We don't use it right anymore. But we need to give our worship to God. Uh, it's a gift that belongs to Him. 
We, none of us, bow down and worship anything. I would be surprised if we did, at least. I doubt that any of you have something in your house that you bow down and worship, um, or a statue that you drive by, or uh, a picture on your wall, or something like that. I I would be very surprised if you do. Um, If you do, you shouldn't, Um, but nonetheless. Uh, But our worship belongs to God. Nothing else should get it. We, we worship things somewhat subconsciously. If we think about it, it'll be obvious to us. But um, we don't, like I said, we don't bow down before it. But there are things in our lives that we worship. They're prioritized over God. And uh, God is the only thing deserving, the only person, the only, he's worthy of our worship. Uh, all gifts belong to God. All glory belongs to God. And it's something that can give us joy. All government belongs to God as well. Uh, verse number 10 we see uh, a coming government uh, say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. You remember there were Jews who, when they met Jesus and were beginning to believe that he was who he said he was, uh, that's when they did the palm leaves and the shouting Hosanna as he came into town. They thought he was, he was coming to reign. They thought he was going to sit up on the throne and he was going to overtake and overcome, and he was going to rule right then and there, and that's not what he was there to do at the time, but there's coming a day. Not only that, uh, he's still in control currently as it sits, even though he's not technically sitting on the throne. He is in control of all government still as well. He's uh, absolutely sovereign. He keeps things uh, secure within uh, within his control. He's not surprised by any decisions that are made or things that are happening as well. Uh, so he is, uh, he is coming to sit on the throne, but he's still in control as it sits also. Then we see uh, verse number 11 <clears throat> through 13 talks about kind of what and who this coming government will affect. Verse number 11, it says, uh, Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice in the first part of verse 13 before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. Who is it going to affect? Everybody. It's not going to not affect anyone. Is that? uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Um, It's going to affect everybody. If you're with him, so to say, it'll affect you good. If you're not with him, it'll affect you poorly. And uh, the reality is is that because God, as it says here, uh, reigneth righteously, justly, um, that's good for the righteous and the just. And it's scary for the unrighteous and the unjust. You say, well, we're all unrighteous. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. I get it. Hopefully you do too. Um, You know, we're not perfect, no, but we can obey. We can follow God, and when we do wrong, we can ask for forgiveness and get right with God. And we need to, it's important that we do so. The last part of verse 13 says, He shall judge the world with righteousness, and the people with, listen to these last two words, His truth. We have a popular phrase in today's society, My truth, Her truth, His truth, Their truth. There's only one truth, and it's His truth. And when God judges, he's not going to come down and talk to someone and they go, well, my truth is, is that I'm this and whatnot. And maybe this makes me happy and that's my truth. 
He's not going to go, oh, huh, well, that's good. I thought I was going to have to destroy you. This is not the way it's going to work. And anytime I hear the phrase, my truth, let me tell you what my truth is. I say, hold on. It's not how it works. There's truth, and there's not truth. You can pretend all you want to, and people are beginning to believe that it's okay. Well, that was my truth. God doesn't care. And he says, here is the truth. And when he comes and judges the world, he's going to judge it with righteousness, which means uh, perfection. He's not going to be wrong. We were watching a basketball game yesterday, and there was some bad officiating for both teams. It was ugly. It was, there was a lot of things that just weren't good. And the boys were talking about, oh, yeah, those refs were bad and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's because refs aren't perfect. They think they are, but they're not. They officiate on their truth. But see, when God comes and judges, he's, he's a righteous judge, which means he's a perfect judge, which means he doesn't do wrong, which means what he judges as sin is sin, and what he judges as righteousness is righteousness. And your truth won't matter. The only thing that will matter is the truth, God's truth. And that's what he says, that's what I'm going to come. I'm going to come and I'm going to judge, and I'm going to judge with righteousness and the people. I'm going to judge with God's truth. Which again, I'll say, if you know what God's truth is, this is encouraging. As a church, if you grow up in church, you hear a lot about judgment. Uh, you should, I hope so. There are some pastors who don't like to preach on it, but it's, it's a reality. It's, it's in the Bible. So you hear about judgment. Some preachers focus too much on the judgment. Not enough balanced of what the Bible says about the other side of that. But, you know... Judgment is not scary to those who have done right. Those who are doing right. And to me, it's a motivation. I don't, I don't want to experience judgment. Now, I'm saved, so at the end of the day, I know I don't have to worry about hell. It's not a concern of mine anymore for myself. I still don't want to experience judgment. Uh, you know, I, I, I've never liked being punished. It was never fun. Um, if your kids think punishment's fun, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> but uh, you see, God, though, is, is a righteous judge. He, he punishes sin and wickedness, and he rewards righteousness. And, and when you read things like where the Bible says, I'm going to come and judge righteously according to my truth, God's truth, uh, as a Christian, that should bring encouragement. If it doesn't, then you need to get things right in your life and know that, uh, that God's on your side. Uh, it should change the way we live, understanding God's on my side. Are you on God's side? Will you be where you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do? It's the simplest of, of, of Bible truths, right? We talk about it all the time. Just obey. Just do right. So easy, right? God will help you do it. Trust Him. Read your Bible. Pray. Talk to God. Um, seek biblical counsel if you need it. Just do right. Um, 
and then watch God provide and bless you in ways you've never experienced before. Or maybe you have experienced it and you need to get back to it. Uh, do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, we, look, we should look forward to God's return. I, like I've said before, I, I, you know, we've got a lot to accomplish before He comes back. If He came back today, it would be great news for me, but it would be bad news for many. And we need to be active. And God's told us to be, so let's be obedient. And so when God does return, we've done our part um, with the gospel and loving people biblically and, uh, and let God uh, give the fruit for it. Because He will. He's a righteous judge. Lord, help us, I do pray. I pray that you'd give us a good week as we head into Christmas. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give health over our homes and um, protect and provide. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would make this week just a, a joyful week as we celebrate you and your coming. Uh, Lord, as we look ahead even to the future, to your return, um, God, may we be motivated to follow you and to help others to follow you as well. So, Lord, we seek your help and your guidance. Um, Lord, we seek to worship and praise you. And I pray that it would not just be a Christmas time that we worship and praise, but, Lord, that it would be daily in our lives. So help us, we do pray now, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, let's see here. I was supposed to announce something. Oh, uh, Miss Kathy suggested uh, that on Wednesday, instead of meeting in here, we meet in the fellowship hall and do coffee and hot chocolate and cookies and stuff like that. So uh, if you want to bring some Christmas cookies or a little snack, you know, it doesn't have to be a meal, obviously, but snacks of some sort, we'll do our singing and praise time in the fellowship hall. And uh, we'll make some coffee and have some hot water for uh, hot chocolate and stuff like that, too. All right? What? I did say that. Hang on, I need to stop the recording.